Hello, this is Mike Manmeter, and this is the Recovery is Possible podcast. I want to thank you for joining me, and today I want to talk about this whole concept of whether you can drink non-alcoholic beer when you're in recovery. The question gets asked a lot in recovery, particularly early recovery, and I want to answer this question, whether you can drink non-alcoholic beer or anything else that simulates alcohol in early recovery by just once again going through and reviewing what's going on in early recovery. In a previous podcast, I talked about the five years and the five stages of your recovery and how your body and your mind, your emotions, and your spiritual development are all changing over a period of time. And it's important for you to realize that when you're in early recovery, um, that first year is a particularly sensitive time in recovery. And there's a lot of data that's out there that shows that if you can get beyond 18 months in recovery, your chances of getting into long-term recovery are exponentially increased. But that first year is critical, and the reason why it's critical is because there's so much changing um, happening in your body, in your, and particularly in your brain. Remember, when you come into recovery, you're malnourished. Everybody that comes into recovery is malnourished. And just as a review, the reason for that is that when you're drinking alcoholically, your body is depleted of serotonin levels, of melatonin levels, of the B series of vitamins, 1, 3, 6, and 12. And the two most important of all that are 1 and 3, which have to do with neurological functioning. It's depleted because they're not even absorbed into your system when you're drinking alcoholically. And that's what causes you to have irrational thinking. It's what causes you to be depressed, particularly the, the serotonin and GABA levels that that are depleted. And those have to be replaced. And it takes time for that to happen. And you have to give it time. I heard it said once that time takes time. And you have to take the time for your body and your brain to heal. Now, as that's going on in your, in your body... You also have the emotional side and the triggers. You have those routines and those things that kind of set your your mind into that path, you know, into the path that's uh, been worn. And the the analogy that I like to use this: imagine if you are uh, walking across a field that has grass, and if you walk on that particular path every day, you you kind of build a, a little divot or you create a divot in that in the grass, and it becomes like a path. Well, just imagine your brain being that way. And then when you come into recovery, we're telling you, hey, look, you can't use that path anymore. You've got to go over here onto the grass and walk on the grass. And then what we're trying to do is get you to walk on that grass and create a new divot. But the fact is that new divot isn't going to be as deep as the old divot. And, And if you're not careful... Your brain will tell you, tell your uh, your body that being in that old divot is easier, and you'll jump back over into that old divot and and take that easier path. And in your brain, that's that's alcohol. So whenever you're feeling um, upset, you're feeling resentful, you're feeling angry, it will be easy to go back to the easy, uh, well worn path, which would be back to to drinking. And that's what we want to avoid. Now, in time, when the vitamins get reprocessed into your body, serotonin levels. Are are raised, GABA levels are raised, it becomes easier and easier and easier. And that that craving, that desire for alcohol 
uh, will be lifted. Not entirely. You have to always be careful because you will have certain triggers in your mind <clears throat> that may remind you of how good alcohol was, or at least you thought it was. And those can happen. That can happen even deep into recovery. For example, uh, maybe it's a hot summer day and and uh, you drink, say, a, a seltzer water, like orange-flavored seltzer water, and that may taste like beer. And as soon as it goes into your mouth, you're reminded of you know how good a beer would taste. And, and so that, that, just, that impulse comes back, and you have to be very, very careful with that. But Going back to the first year in recovery, you want to be particularly careful because the, the, not only is your mind playing tricks on you, but your body has not healed yet. And you don't want to do anything <clears throat> that is going to re-trigger yourself back into wanting to have that drink. Now, those of you that aren't familiar with recovery meetings, particularly AA meetings, most meetings have a tradition that they'll hand out coins to celebrate various stages of recovery. Uh, you have the 24-hour chip. <clears throat> if we're talking about an AA meeting, a 24-hour chip, uh, meaning that you've, you've completed 24 hours of recovery, then one month, two months, all the way up to the one-year chip. And then many meetings also give out an 18-month chip. And then every year after that, second, third, fourth, so on. And so the question may be, well, why why do you give out a coin for every month in that first year, but not every month after the first year. And the exp explanation for that to a large degree is because it, it tends to be easier that that first year is just so critical and every little celebration, every little stage is going to be critical for you to celebrate. So you definitely don't want to do anything that is going to cause you to want to relapse or to trigger yourself, and many people, I've you know, I've I've, I've heard people say things like I, that they would never even go into a supermarket, walk down a wine aisle, walk into a beer aisle, wouldn't go into a Seven Eleven, or if they did, they they wouldn't look at the beer section. Certainly not go into uh, liquor stores or anything like that. Would avoid parties just because it's just too sensitive. It would just maybe even there's activities. You know, I heard a guy say once that he was always drinking when he played the guitar, so he had to give the guitar up for a while. Until his brain and his body had settled down and, and healed, whatever the case may be, um, you just have to understand that your brain is going to associate non-alcoholic or near beer, like Odul's or some other brand. When when your body takes that in, your brain is going to remember that taste, remember the feel, remember the smell, and your body is going to, and your brain is going to say, "Well, that's really good. That tastes good." But it's not giving me the effect, and I want to go back and revisit my old friend. And that is what you want to absolutely avoid in recovery. You absolutely want to avoid that uh, at all. You know, you don't want to, you know, put together one of those faux drinks, meaning, you know, you get seltzer water, color it with cranberry juice, and put a uh, uh, an umbrella or a lime or in there, you know, something that reminds you of those old drinks. You want to do things that do not remind you of your old habits, particularly in the early days of recovery because of the sensitivity that you are going through. I know a lot of people that in their first year of recovery just went to work, went to meetings, worked out, went home and went to bed and got up and did it over again and did that for a long time waiting for their body to heal. Um, I've heard it said, 
and I and I really like this phrase. When asked the question, um, an old timer in in recovery was asked, "Is it okay for me to drink non-alcoholic beer?" And this old timer's response was, "Non-alcoholic beer." is for non-alcoholics. And I loved that phrase. Non-alcoholic beer is for non-alcoholics. And uh, I believe that to be true. Again, that that first year, you do not want to do anything that is going to get your mind to go back towards drinking. Um, You want to be very sensitive about where you go, where you visit. Maybe you don't go to that party. Maybe you don't go to that wedding reception. Maybe, you know, whatever you need to do to stay sober in in that first year. Because knowing that after that first year, if you make it through successfully, your chances of long-term recovery are exponentially increased after that. And that's the goal. And that's what you want. And, um, you know, so be very, very careful with that. And I do believe that that's why a lot of people aren't successful in getting into long-term recovery is because they don't take what I'm saying right now seriously enough. And so that's my hope for you is that you'll consider what I'm saying apply it to yourself and really just be careful in that first year. So just want to throw this bit of advice out that I've learned over a period of time. Um, you'll hear it, you know, what I'm relaying to you said at meetings all across the country, in fact, all across the globe. And um, it's something that I've seen work for people. You know, in, in recovery rooms, you want to remember that you want to look at the people that have had success, look at what they do, and then do what they do. Right. So if I let's say I want to be successful at triathlon, I want to do an Ironman triathlon and somebody comes up to me and says, you know what? I am this six six time world champion uh, Ironman uh, triathlete and I've got some advice for you. Well, if I want to be successful in triathlon, I probably want to take the advice of that person because they might know a thing or two because they've had success in it. And what I wouldn't do is say, you know, I really appreciate that advice, but I think I'm going to work my own plan when I have no success whatsoever. But the problem is, I think a lot of people go into recovery rooms and they look, they listen to a lot of opinions because everybody there has an opinion. But what you don't want to do is take opinions from people that have not had success. And this is true in life as well. But certainly you want to look at the winners in recovery rooms. And if somebody's got decades of sobriety, and they're telling you not to do something, then there's, it's probably in your best interest to not do that and follow their advice. Follow the winners, stay in the center of the program, look at what people do, and look at the people that are not successful and look at what they do, because oftentimes there's a, there's a real common denominator behind what they're doing or not doing, and then look at the people that are successful and try to emulate them. Stick with the winners and you'll have success. So as always, just remember that everything I'm sharing with you here today is my opinion, my opinion alone. I don't represent AA. I don't represent NA. I don't represent any group. These are just Mike's opinions, and these are things that I've seen work with other people, and hopefully it will work for you. Again, if you don't uh, something that I talk about here, if it doesn't work for you, then don't certainly don't use it. But I'm just trying to give you some advice uh, regarding success that I've seen out there. So thanks again. Thanks for listening to the Recovery is Possible podcast. Visit my website. Visit my uh, the website is at www.vanmeterwellnesssolutions.com or visit our Facebook page. And certainly spread this 
uh, podcast to people that you feel that need it because that's our goal. Our mission is to get out and help as many people live a safe and happy and joyous life every day. So take care and talk to you next time.